Hello and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli, and with me today I have a returning guest, formerly of Geek Crash Course, Michael Nixon. Hello, Michael. Hello, Scott. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Um, So today on the show, uh, we're going to be talking about the Seventh Doctor Big Finish audio adaptation, Love and War. Um, Before we do, I want to get – I want to talk to Michael about his background with um, Big Finish Audio because when – we first brought you on the show. Uh, you had requested the Eighth Doctor, and I said that unfortunately I already had a, a guest host for all the Eighth Doctor stuff. Um, so we decided that we were going to start going down the uh, Death in the Family road. Um, oh yes, yes. But before we did that, I wanted to do sort of like a one-off, um, you know, coming off of uh, coming off of uh, Series Eight. Um, so we decided to do this Love and War thing. Uh, but what is your uh, what 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 what's your background with uh, with Big Finish as far as like what what have you listened to what do you like what do you don't like that sort of thing? I've listened to a lot of Big Finish actually, um, primarily the, the the Doctor Who line, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of spinoff stuff too. I'm very behind on Gallifrey, but I've listened to Jago and Lightfoot. But I I have like all of the main range releases. Um, I have a friend who gave me files. I am buying the ones I like. Please stop yelling at me. Um, <laughs> but I'm listening through the kind of main range releases and I've, I'm quite behind. Um, but I have listened ahead to, to doctors and combinations of companions that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a, a pretty broad, I would say knowledge of the line um, in terms of stuff. I, I've really enjoyed um, a lot of the Seventh Doctor audios have been really great. Uh, uh, the Ace and Hex stuff I've really enjoyed. Oh, the yeah. um, Death in the Family, obviously, a classic. Um, it's funny. The one of the first going through the monthly range was uh, Shadow of the Scourge or Scourge of the Shadow. Mm-hmm. One of those. <laughs> uh, somebody will correct it. Um, but it, it's the one where. The first one they did with the Doctor, with the Seventh Doctor, Ace and Benny, and that was—it's kind of a favorite adventure of mine. It's an interesting combination, and it was cool to hear it brought to life in audio. Mm-hmm. Just like the ones that sort of surround it were, there was a Sixth Doctor and Frobisher story, and that's um, a good one. That's it's a really good one. That's one that's surprisingly good. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> Robert Jezik, I think his name is, is just an amazing Frobisher. Oh yeah, really good. Um, I wish they would do more with. Frobisher, like they've done so much with Lisa Bowerman and Benny Summerfield, because mm-hmm. he's just he's great at it. Yeah, as as Bowerman is at, at Benny, mm-hmm. uh, she's terrific, and uh, yeah, so breadth and depth of big finish uh, uh, behind me, as it were. Um, oh yeah, and Dark Eyes, I love Dark Eyes. It's really good. It is good. <laughs> um, really good. That first one is still really strong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, we we're going to be talking about Love and War, which <clears throat> is um, it's uh, it's it's based on a book mm-hmm. uh, that is written by Paul Cornell, and it was sort of the book that put him on the map as like Doctor Who guy Paul Cornell, um, and it was it was sort of like this premature swan song for Ace um, and the introduction of a of a uh, uh, Virgin New Adventures compan- original companion um, with uh, Bernie Summerfield, uh, who is sort of like a like a prototype for River Song in a way. Um, yeah, the archaeologist 
conversations yeah. are, are interesting. Yeah, to compare very and much so. <laughs> There's some stuff in here too about uh, the, the doctor storm. talks about. Yeah, that stuff, and the doctor talking about being what monsters have nightmares about. Right. There's some there's some good stuff that gets picked up in here. Oh yeah, um, definitely. I think it's also. I'm pretty sure it's Cornell's second Who novel. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think it is, but it's it's the one that like everyone points to to be no, like, that absolutely. Yeah, this the, is uh, the one that made him Paul Cornell. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. It's because uh, because Time Worm is like the fourth part of not a great group of four novels, except for Time Worm Revelation. So it's because um, I've I've read it recently actually, and it's a really strong novel. But I've tried to read some of the other Time Worm, the earlier Time Worm installments, and they're not as good. Yeah. <laughs> um. So okay. So the first thing that I noticed listening to this audio adaptation is one. I I had to listen to it twice because I'll be totally honest. Listening to it the first time, I was barely holding on as to what was going on. <laughs> yeah. The pacing's really strange. It is strange. And it's, and it's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot yeah. going on. Like there's, there's a I've war st- going on. There's a planet called heaven. There's archeologists. There's, uh, like a matrix kind of thing going on. <laughs> like pewter space. Yeah. The ultra nineties named pewter space. Yeah. It's crazy. So, there's, so 90s VR. Yeah, totally. There's just, there's a lot. There's, there's, uh, uh, there's, uh, uh, oh God, Christopher, the, the, uh, non-gendered psychic person, psychic priest. I, it like, so strange. Like there's just there's so much the, here to the point the where I almost Dalek wonder. killer you, with the Dalek gun too. Right, right. Yeah. Everybody's got like a crazy backstory. Right. Which, which. Listening to it the first time, I was lost for most of it. Mm. And then listening to the second time, I was like, oh, I know what I'm missing. The prose. That's what I'm missing. Yeah. Yeah. I started (laughs) reading the novel after listening to this the first time through. And I'm not through the whole novel yet, but there is so much extra detail in between every single spoken thing in this audio. Oh, I bet. It's crazy. I Um, bet. I've actually listened ahead to the, the next adaptation, which was The Highest Science. And that one, you can really feel that there are big chunks of novel just not there. Yeah. Like, characters just jump in location and time. It's, it gets kind of crazy. That's the, I think that's the biggest um, unfortunate thing about this adaptation is I feel like, I, I think it's a really good story. It's just there's so much to it that it loses a lot in translation, oh, I yeah. think. Um, the biggest, I think the biggest problem with it is that, I mean, Ace just like falls in love with some random dude and has like zero chemistry with him in the audio and just like falls in love because the story says that she's supposed to. And then I'm just, I, I, the whole time I was like waiting for the reveal that she was like hypnotized or something and it never happened. Um, it's funny because there's a bunch of big finish adventures later where she has to fall in love with someone as like a ploy, and she actually does, and it's really strong. Right, the chemistry is there. Right, so it's it's fascinating to see the the, the juxtaposition there of of how people saying the words can really affect the words. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I was also, um, I mean, obviously, all of this big finish stuff. It's uh, questionable as far as where it would fit into any sort of continuity. Um, well, not according to Night of the Doctor. Well, well, 
Haha. Yes, but I but that's specifically Eighth Doctor, and his is really easy. <laughs> like yeah, his, his is pretty. His linear. flows really well. The Seventh Doctor specifically has a lot of paths. Right. Although right. the Eighth Doctor books don't fit anywhere. Right. They um, just you, you can't make them work. But this Seventh Doctor story, I just don't really understand where it would go. Um, so I kind of just sort of chalk it up as like, okay, so the 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 new Virgin audio, the the new Virgin books, they don't they don't count, um, and it's just like a fun story because it's just seems like such a weird thing because it's like it would have to come post death in the family, right? In I theory, guess. I guess because she's not well, the hardened took- like war hero that she is when she comes back after this story, um, Ace. So yeah, because my. Yeah, that's the thing is I always took it as um, the Virgin stuff happened before some nebulous point in the Big Finish stuff, I guess pre-Hex. Because I've always felt like the ace in some of the Hex stories has really just been through the ringer with the Doctor. Mm. There there are moments in, um, you know, Death in the Family and stories after that, and especially after some of the things that happened with Hex mm-hmm. um, and the White Tardis and the Black Tardis and all that. I'm right. not going to go – I don't want to spoil too many things or whatever. But – Ace is just really used to the Doctor just being a dick and messing things up mm-hmm. in a lot of those stories, for lack of quicker things coming to mind. <laughs> um, but it, it, So yeah, I, I don't know. The Ace of Love and War still feels like the innocent TV Ace to me. It doesn't feel like she's been on the... like. It doesn't feel like this Ace has been to Colditz. Yeah, it just feels... I mean, you're right, but then, but it also doesn't feel like that ace is necessarily the ace post this either. Like, it almost feels oh, like two divergent aces. You know? Yeah, I've always, I've always taken the Virgin Adventures, and, and I mean, Big Finish kind of also takes them this way. It seems like as two separate tracks. Right. And then there's also the like one B track of Rain, whatever, wherever the hell she actually fits in. Right. Because that's. Big Finish is starting to do this thing where they're like, a new companion, and we'll explain her later. And you're like, right. no, that's not that's not a good way to do this. I'm just confused <laughs> all the time. I'm going to yeah. spend three years being confused. Yeah. It'll be – it's actually going to be really interesting because they, they very rarely do Big Finish do any, like, massive continuity things. Mm. Um, the, you know, the, everything is sort of they, – they, on purpose, a little nebulous as far as continuity goes. Um but I found it interesting that they just announced that they're going to be doing the Sixth Doctor's final story. Uh, and I think that comes out in, like, August or September or something like that. I have already bought it. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, it's going to be so good. That's definitely something we'll be covering on the show for sure. Uh, but I think that it's – it's. I, I'm wondering if when they do that Sixth Doctor story, if it's going to go – with everything that they've already done or if they're going to somehow like tie in the idea that is put forth in this story where the sixth doctor regenerated on purpose into the seventh doctor. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm really interested to see what they end up doing with that. Cause it's, it's a big deal that they're doing a doctor regeneration um, because the only, cause the, cause they can't even do the eighth doctor one anymore. Um, yeah. Cause TV well, took mean, that away. So we thought all the gaps had been filled after right. night of the doctor, day of the doctor, like all the, and then time of the doctor fills in the next batch, right. you know, but all the regeneration holes, I thought they'd been plugged. Um, so it's interesting to see Colin Baker saying, okay, Hey, let's do one for me too. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see exactly this, that sort of thing, how, 
Plus, there's also that Trial of the Valyard audio, which is really strange and just does some odd things um, to the Valyard story. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if that gets reconciled in at all, too. It seems like they're going more box setty, loose continuity with their releases yeah. lately, um, but especially with the sort of special release stuff. Mm-hmm. So I am curious how... I mean, a lot of audio companions are in the thing, so it must be somehow through-lined into that. Right, in, the, in the Six Doctor, much... the final Six Doctor yeah. story, you mean. Yeah, Yeah, because exactly. it's, yes. it's a collection of four adventures, right? And each adventure has a different one of his Big Finish companions? Yes, I think, I think Mel is in one? Yeah, Mel is in one, and I think um, Perry, isn't she in one? I don't, I'm not sure if Perry's actually in it, because I don't think she's in the art. Okay. Which is odd. <laughs> that is weird. Um, hmm. Interesting. But I'm wondering if they're going to do, uh, like, a post-trial Mel, because the Wrong Doctors makes that continuity kind of fun, too. Right. With the way the Sixth Doctor and Mel kind of loop the loop around each other. Um, so I'm curious which Mel it's going to be. Like, the... TV series Mel, who hasn't been returned home, or has I'm not even I I mess mess it up all the time anymore. Okay, so <laughs> it's it's Mel, uh, mm. Flip, okay, uh, Flip with Jago and Lightfoot. Man, that's gonna be fun. I love Flip. that's gonna be bizarre. Yeah. Okay. I love Flip, uh, but then with Jago and Lightfoot. Oh man, that's good stuff. Um, in Victorian I'm, London. Oh, the so biggest fun. problem with that is just I really wish it was Evelyn with Jago and Lightfoot. Well. Fair enough. I know. I mean, it's it's terribly sad, but I yeah. just oh come on. Yeah, can't do anything about that. I know. Um, and then it's uh, and then it's Charlie. Oh right. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And then uh, Constance, which is a new companion. Yeah, apparently. the new companion who we don't know her past. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of those those we'll figure it out later. Yeah, store companions. Yeah, but uh, that's going to be a really really great box set, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, and it definitely Jason's has Zalyard on the cover, so they're dealing with something with that. It's in there. One of the stories is they, they specifically call out that. I think it's the second to last one with. Um, who was the third one? The third. The Charlie? Third, yeah. The Charlie and the Valyard. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it says werewolves huh. for Charlie. Oh, well, then never mind. Yeah. Doesn't does one of them call out the Valyard? Uh, the Mel one. Mm. That makes sense because of the trial. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Jason's but... voice has only gotten more evil. I'm pretty excited for that. <laughs> um, so anyway, so back to Love and War. Um, yes. Oops. I think, uh, yeah, we kind of went down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm i really interested in Ber- Bernie Summerfield. I think she's a really cool companion. Um, and, and like you said, the actress does a really great job. Um, but I just, there's something... Um, there's something about these adaptations that just don't quite She's work She's the for me. harbinger of the constant info dump. Yeah. Throughout this entire story. She's just like, here is everything about my life, part the first. Mm-hmm. You're like, we're going to do more of these, aren't we? She's <laughs> like, here's how my mom died, and there was a doll, and it was very sad. You know that scene in every movie where the doll falls on the ground? I did that with Daleks. <laughs> like, wow, this is, this is a tragic lady. I, I wonder if she's going to be a recurring character. Yeah. The, yeah, it's it, Cornell I, talks about this in s- somewhere. I'm not sure if it was somewhere I read it or if it was in the behind the scenes stuff at the 
end of this, but they talk about in the Virgin novels around this time, they were talking about getting Ace out with some with pretty regular it was a pretty regular conversation. So a lot of the authors were sort of doing, inserting companions like Benny as these sort of pitch characters for new companions. And Benny ended up being the selection. Um, I don't know what the actual process of that was, mind you. So, well, they uh, had like a show running editor. Yeah. Um, That was, was that Darville Evans? Yes. I think that's right. Okay. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I lost the note where that was (laughs) in my notes. Um, can't find it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they, they had like a supervising editor. Uh, so I imagine it was his decision. Um, yeah, I was not thinking about, it. they may have sent in sort of dossiers on their pitched characters too. I don't, I can't remember what the exact process was, but I find that kind of fascinating mm-hmm. that they sort of crowdsourced a companion out of the writing pool. Right. It was the, the whole, uh, new virgin adventures, that the whole thing is very interesting. It's um, a real yeah. I I just want somebody to write a book specifically about it. Yeah, just all the behind the scenesy stuff of that because it, it's got to be fascinating. Yeah, it's because I imagine too the 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 poor authors had to turn these books around really fast because really didn't fast. they come out monthly? Yeah, they did have a, a relatively large pool of writers from what I can tell, but I I mean there were some months where stuff had to get swapped around and moved. Yeah. Uh, I know that. It's really uh, interesting. Um, it's, it's really interesting how the Doctor Who fandom sort of like kept it alive, kept the kept the franchise alive for as the long as The wilderness years are the most interesting part of Who to me. Yeah. Because it's, it's keeping that fire alight. Yeah. When there's, there's, there's no visual platform. Right. You know, it, it goes to, um, well, other than comics, obviously, but every medium is sort of missing components because right. it's not the TV show. Right. So how the show adapts to different other places is really fascinating. Yeah. I think. Um, but, um, yeah, love and war. I, you know, it's funny. I, I listened to the thing twice and I, I like it for what it is, but it's not, it's really not my favorite thing. Um, no. at least not this, ad- not this adaptation of it. I don't know if the book is any better. Um, I From what I've read so far, the book is strong. Okay, that's good. But, I mean, it's also a second novel, so it could go horribly awry. I don't right. know. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always possible. Right. Um, uh, uh, so, yes. Huh. <laughs> oh, one thing worth noting from the novel, actually, is the, uh, the Clive Aubrey door in the audio, which mm-hmm. is a really weird beat, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know this. Um, in the book, it's the Paul Mars door. Uh, oh. M-A-G-R-S, Paul Mars, straight up Paul Mars. Um, hmm. So it's kind of a funny, I just thought it was a funny thing as far as I'd gotten into the novel that I, I guess it was before he had written for who or created Iris Royal Time or all the other kind of big stuff Paul Mars ended up doing. Huh. But yeah. Interesting. Weird um, thing. I will say, uh, I will say structurally, um, I think that Love and War is like really well structured as far as calling back on the structure of Classic Who. Um the way that mm. the uh the hoodie like doesn't show up until uh until like that like the very like almost toward the end, like the last like half hour, you know? Yeah. Um like the the monster doesn't show up until the like basically the last 
part of a four part adventure, you know? Um, it's very serial. Oh, very much timed. It's pretty great. Um, very much so. It's, it's, it's a slow build, uh, this story, very slow build. Mm. Um, it's a lot of explaining. It's a lot of exposition for, for half the book. And then the other half is just like all payoff. Um, yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's structured, it's structured very much like a classic who story. Um, and you can tell they're trying to like, you know, they're trying to experiment with it while, uh, with the structure while still like trying to keep it familiar, um, for the book readers. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because I would say that there are a lot of classic who stories that are hurt by the fact that they can only do so much to set up the world that they're in. Mm. Um, and in a novel, you get to do all kinds of setup. Uh, you can, you could, you could theoretically just give the whole history of the planet they're on, um, for a chapter, you know? Uh, yeah. So, so I, 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 I think it's interesting cause I, I imagine that, you know, I, I, I'm really actually thinking about like getting this book and reading it because. It, yeah. What's, what's interesting is right from the opening of the audio, the, the sort of hard cuts back and forth between Ace leaving, uh, Julian's funeral and the two of them in the car. Right. Is kind of the same pace as the novel has ace semi narrate you know the the that story mm-hmm. well not i guess it's third person but um it, it goes very um inside her head um and she's she's thinking about the funeral and asking the doctor about uh going back to see him and then she thinks about the time in the car and so the pacing they have in the uh, audio which i think is really well paced to start that sort of memory flashback hard mm-hmm. cut thing um, is, is pulled right from the book, which is, I thought was really fascinating the way that was kind of, it's, it's odd. I wish the rest of the story was translated like that sort of as smoothly and, and I don't know, carefully it's, it's, it was a fascinating beat. Yeah. It seems like the, it, it just seems like the uh, adaptation is missing a lot. Like it feels like, mm. Um, Jacqueline Rayner, who adapted the the novel for audio, um, it really just felt like she went through the book and just wrote down all the dialogue Mm. um, rather than like trying to implement some of the prose into the dialogue. Uh, That's the biggest problem. Somehow. It has has the Watchmen problem. Right. Which is the reason that the dialogue in the Watchmen movie is terrible is because it's the exact dialogue from the comic book. Right. And it, it sounds so awkward coming from an actual human being. Right. It does. Um, it's also very abrupt at times, uh, mm. because there, there's, you know, you get to the end and, uh, Jan, the, uh, the guy that Ace oh, falls man. in love with. It's so awkward in the audio. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, the, the, the guy that she falls in love with, um, is, uh, infected by the, the fungus monster and dies. And the doctor knew that he was di- he was dying, but didn't tell her. And you know the the end of this story is basically her calling it quits with the doctor over it. Um, and there's a part where they have this big emotionally cathartic moment where they're like yelling at each other about, or like she's yelling at him and he's like begging her to not run away. And it's this big emotional thing. And then like she finally just runs off after threatening to kill him. Um, and then runs off and then suddenly like Bernie Summerfield is over there and, and you know, Bernie's just like, Hey, so I'll be your companion. He's like, okay, great. And he's just like totally over it. Like a light switch. 
Um, well, I, that's the weird. The weirder thing there is that he asks her. He's immediately like, "Oh, it's a shame." Well, hey, you want to come with? I'm, I'm sure I'll be good at this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if you've seen yourself, but evidence to the contrary, that girl running away over there. Yeah, it's very it's strange. It's a really, odd. really fast jump, um, and I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't. Like you said, it doesn't really flow that well. Because it's less an adapta- adaptation as it is like an audio book without the prose. Yeah, it feels like a very, very, very close adaptation instead of a like a translation. Like I think it should. You have to sort of finagle with things to make them work. Right. Right. Um, I, I just think there may be. I hesitate to say too much of the novel, but in terms of that sort of prose context versus how audiobooks actually work which is something that big finish is very good at mm-hmm. so it's it's a, i think they're afraid of stuff. i think they're afraid of pissing off the book fans mm. um well, so when they do these adaptations no. they do them a little too literally i understand that having been on the wrong end of some hoovians but <laughs> <laughs> these, these things happen on the internet yeah. um but i don't know it feels a little bit like they should just go for it. Or, you know, there at one point had been, I think, talk about adapting it less literally and calling it War and Love or something like that. Uh-huh. There was some crazy idea to make a kind of in-line adaptation of the book right? Uh, that I think they abandoned. I think it would have been a stronger move. Yeah. Um, in general. Really. I think so, too. Definitely. Because uh, uh-huh. I'm curious now to, to listen to I've also, like I said, I listened to Highest Science, which had Benny in it, and just The Seventh Doctor, and that was, again, kind of awkward. But I'd love to see them try their hand at maybe just some some straight Benny and Seven Adventures mm-hmm. uh, sans ace. Because I know they did some stuff like that in the New Adventures of Bernice line. Right. Uh, the se- uh, Seven and Ace show up a few times there. Uh, but I'd, l- I'd really be interested in seeing some kind of New Adventures era set Doctor and Benny stories. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely. And I mean, there's still time, I guess, to sort of readapt Love and War. Um, oh yeah. In into the continuity of like post death in the family or what have you, um, because you know we're. I think we're. Are we still? Are we still waiting on that next trilogy? Um, the next uh, Seventh Doctor Ace trilogy. I'm not sure. I can't remember if that's come out or not yet. I know I haven't listened to it yet, but regardless. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly behind. Yeah. Um, well, they keep coming out. I know. It's not, it's not like they stop, and they are making more and more of them. Yeah. So I'll let you know in like two years how it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the unfortunate story of Love and War, I think. is uh, It's just not... I, I'm not even reading the book and I can tell it's not a particularly good adaptation. Mm. No, from what I've read so far, there there really are details in the book that are, and I haven't even finished the book, but there really are details in the book that are sort of lacking. A lot of context about how the human draconian situation comes straight out of uh, Frontier in Space and uh, I think Planet of the Daleks? The right. one that came right after Frontier in Space. Right. But all they, the book does a lot of work sort of... Um, refreshing you and also updating on kind of the status of that time in that world. Cause we are going back to that, um, sort of story idea, backstory kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm curious. I mean, I don't necessarily want them to readapt the novels. I'd much rather them just go off and do their own thing, like they did with Rain and uh, Seven and Unit Dominion, right? Um, which I thought, again, really, really strong. Oh yeah, audio that one. Um, but I mean, something where they they maybe adapt sort of the themes of the novel. Um, I think there there could be room for that, as far as like the Doctor just going that one step too far and losing Ace as a result. Mm. Um, I think that there's something. There's something to be said for that that I think is really interesting and a really cool move because, you know, when Ace comes back, she's much harder. Um, yeah. And I do think that that's interesting. And I imagine I can only imagine that uh, uh, the the actress who plays Ace, I can only imagine that she's tired of playing an 18-year-old. Um, well, she talks about in, in this one – how she's been in the behind the scenes, I think Sophie Aldred talks about um, how in this story she plays Ace younger with that sort of higher voice, whereas in the more recent releases, she just sort of lets her natural voice or or a closer to her natural voice um, play the character right uh, so in terms of dating it with herself she she seems to consider this one closer to the TV series than uh, the, the the big finish continuity right as it were well that's something i wonder yeah. how old ace is supposed to be in the big finish continuity at this point i guess it depends where you are because the crazy thing about seven and, and ace is they've been together a very long time right i mean in continuity right it's just uh, it's it's so uh nebulous that you just can't you can't really put your finger on it because they never really come out and say you know yeah and i think that's they don't want to necessarily define something right you know strictly you know, nobody in who likes random new rules about continuity. Right. Somebody gets annoyed. Right. Uh, I, the thing I like about Doctor Who is everybody has their own version of canon. Yeah. Which is, th- I think, the coolest thing about this whole wacky multimedia franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. See, oh. for me, it's it's the it's the Doctor Who main. It's the classic Doctor Who. It's the Doctor Who main range, big finish stuff, um, mm. and the Eighth Doctor adventures, and then it's and then it's the new series. Um, I mean, that's where I go with it. Uh, I sort of take all of these ones, these little one-offs and things like that. I, I let them just be their own thing, but yeah. that main big finish range, that's, that's continuity to me. Um, well, I mean, they date those with, with accurate episode title thingies, like four Q V whatever. Right. You know, they place them into running order specifically in that main range too. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I kind of take big finishes lead with this, you know, things yeah. that get dated differently or numbered differently, save the eighth doctor stuff, which is pretty linear. Like we said, um, uh, I, I take it, I take their advice as yeah. it were. Yeah. So these are sort of separate novel adaptations slash special releases. They have like four different terms for these things that say, these are different. These are different. Yeah. Everybody, these are different. Hello. <laughs> different. <laughs> different yeah um so uh i um i think the next time i do one of these uh i think i'll just read the book instead um Mm. (laughs) because uh, it didn't really work for me so much um and listening to it twice listening to it once was a real that first time was a real chore because i had no idea what was going on um it was it was really hard to get a handle on 
Uh, and then I read like the Wikipedia entry and then re-listened, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm I get it, sort of. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny uh, listening through it the second time because I'd gotten about halfway through the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still about halfway through the book. Um, the first part makes a lot more sense, and yeah. re-listening the second part again, I'm still a little bit lost. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can definitely say that. There are plenty of adaptations that suffer from this. It's really a good companion to the book. Right. Um, but that, that said, And that's I, probably how you should view it is – Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's uh, a companion, not so much an adaptation particularly. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a – it's a refresher audiobook-ish thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, I really want them to do a Dying Days adaptation, so – you know. Oh, who who is that? I want these things to succeed. The last of the the Doctor in the Virgin New Adventures oh. books was the Dying Days, and it's the only it was the only Virgin New Adventure with the Eighth Doctor oh. and Benny and the Ice Warriors. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a a weird little blip. And I I'm one of those Who fans who really likes the Apocrypha and the Indicia and the footnote stuff. So hmm. Paul McGann and Lisa Bowerman working together too would be pretty great. Yeah, it's interesting because I can't even begin to make sense of that combo. Um, oh, yeah. I, should, <laughs> I don't know how that makes sense, but it's interesting. Um, I would like to see it for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, huh, interesting. Plus, they got Nick Briggs doing his Ice Warrior voice. Yeah. It'd be some good stuff. It's always a good time. A lot of, a lot of S's. <laughs> it's true. It'll be that day. <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> A lot of that. A lot of that. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's Love and War. And uh, next time we have you on in our next um, in our next set of episodes, because I've been dividing these up in sort of like little little chunks where we do like an adventure from every Doctor. Nice. And uh, so the next round of these will be with you uh, doing Death in the Family Part One, um, which will consist of. Uh, the Marian Conspiracy, the Fearmonger, and the Apocalypse Element. Nice. Um, All right. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be quite a few months from now. But um, it gives me time to re-listen too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that'll be the next time that you are on the show. Uh, but next week we'll be talking about Terror of the Autons uh, with Cassandra Fredrickson. Um, so that'll be that'll be a good discussion. First master story ever. Uh, good times. Um, Very jealous. <laughs> um, so, uh, so while I've got you on, though, uh, what did you uh, what did you think of series eight and and our uh, our twelfth Doctor? I loved it so much. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it made me do a little song there, which is awkward, and I'm going to regret having done in a recording. That was a mistake. I really loved it. Um, I think it's, th- in my opinion, and again, opinions are magical because they can be so different. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I think it's the strongest new series work. I really do. I love... The the front half is a little difficult because it's designed to be an ease-in, but the yeah. back half is like wonderfully experimental, save in The Force of the Night, which is just a weird mess. Um, <laughs> it, it was one for the Blake fans. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, just, that's... Going good. for the deep cuts. <laughs> Uh, but I just, I really, I like Capaldi in the role a lot. Yeah. He's, he gets bakery at times. Yeah. Uh, and, and diff other bakery at times. Yeah. And McCoy at times. He just hits all these like 
doctor beats that I've really been missing with the super happy kids. Yeah. 10 and 11. Like the chill time, sometimes mad kids. Right. Like I was really kind of jazzing for a grown up doctor. Right. And I got it back and I'm super excited about that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I liked Clara this season. I oh, I, I loved. I actually. She was really good this series. I actually. Um, it was actually Name of the Doctor for me that won mm. her over for me um, because that was the moment that I realized what Stephen Moffat was doing uh, yeah. with Clara. And I was like, oh, she's not a companion. She's representative of all companions and us as viewers. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> she's, she's not just a Doctor Who companion. She's all of them and also the fans. And I was like, yep. oh, I see. It's a whole meta thing. I get it. She, um, much like the War Doctor is the Time War, she is the 50th anniversary. Right. And right. the nice thing is, now that it's over, she can be a human being, which yeah. is always refreshing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Day of the Doctor for me, where I, I was like, okay, whatever Clara does, I'm down. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Now that she can just kind of hit stuff and do things. Right. Motorcycle into the TARDIS. Right. Yep, I'm down. Yeah. Um, and that's where you start the whole Cool Hill School thing, too. I think Day of the Doctor is really where Clara starts being Clara this version. Yeah, uh, definitely. For us. Um, um Absolutely. Uh, I think she, I do think she was really, really good this season. Um, that was, uh, was terrific. Yeah. I mean, even in, even in less strong stories, Capaldi and Coleman were tremendous together. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad she's back for Series 9. I was genuinely kind of worried. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, do- I'm, I'm definitely happy about it. I, it'll be interesting, though, to see if um, she becomes, like, the first companion who sees two regenerations <laughs> because... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super sure how long Capaldi will be in the role. Um, I think he's going to at least do his three. You think three? Okay. The man knows his history. The man's a, a huge Doctor Who fan. He was writing letters at fourteen. I That's think the true. man understands the sort of lore of the show. He's watched yeah. the entire thing, which not a lot right. of us can say. Right. Um, live, which very few of us can say. Right. Um, I think. I think he'll at least give us three. Personally, I'd love for him to give us ten. But <laughs> I will take the gifts I am given from Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor. Yeah. You know? Um, I think he'll be around for as long as Moffat is. Um, I think they'll both sign off at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh, when that is, I don't know. I mean, Moffat has said he has a cliffhanger for Series 9. Interesting. He said that in an interview somewhere. I, I will have to bring sources with me next time. <laughs> but uh, he talked about having a cliffhanger thought out for series nine and whether that's going to be him going into series 10 to resolve that, or if it's going to be the gauntlet he throws down to the next writer. Right. Um, Which I actually do love that. Cause that's a thing that, um, you know, Bendis and Brubaker did. Exactly. The Daredevil, the Daredevil run, thing. And it's just I my favorite thing. I love that. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. it's like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. Now you get to figure it out. And I just think that's so fun. Yeah. I've always loved that sort of issued challenge and I, it, it'd be a cool thing for doctor who to add in. Yeah. But my big worry is, it's like I was going to say with Coleman earlier, I just, I feel like Doctor Who's a lot of missed opportunities in the show. Mm-hmm. If people had stayed a little bit longer, you know, they may have gotten what they wanted. Mm-hmm. It's occasionally happened within the show if we'd gotten another year of Seventh Doctor Adventures, for example. Um, so I, I just want, you know, if Capaldi and Moffa give us two more years, I'm good with that. Yeah. One more year, I'd want more. Yeah. I would. So, um, we'll yeah, see. I, I think that's, I, I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, I also, I also think, um, 
I, I do think three years is like that's the limit. I really do because even mm. Tenant, those those specials, that year of specials, man, that drug, um, mm-hmm. it drug big super time. awkward. Uh, it was really awkward. It was super awkward thing. and draggy, and most of those stories weren't that great. Um, and it always struck me as like a weirdly narcissistic year, yeah. which is like a blasphemous thing to say about David Tennant, but Very I'm like so. not a fan of that era. And I don't think it ends anywhere near a high note. No, um, no, I really like, I, I, I will, I will defend the last like 20 minutes of end of time, but everything, Oh, absolutely. Everything up to that point. Oh boy. <laughs> one of oh. the, I think one of the worst David Tennant stories of his, like the, just the worst era, like the, 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 just the end, just the worst way to cap off that era. I think. It's just a uh, hungry master. Okay. Oh man! If you could, if you could just ta- if you could just tack that back twenty minutes of end of time onto Journey's End. Yeah. You know, if you could just somehow. Yeah. Like if a beam fires out and Wilf gets captured, and like the Doctor has to rescue him real quick from this other whole random thing. Oh yeah. If someone could make like a phantom edit of that, we yeah. have a pretty strong end of the Tenth Doctor era. But. Oh boy. You know. Yeah, it's the three, the three, the year three thing. and done thing has always been kind of strong, and even within the longer Doctor's eras, they've really had that sort of cadence. Mm-hmm. You know, a three or four year thing. Yeah. You know, Baker swapped out producers a few times, and um, it's not unheard of. Right. Uh, yeah, I really do think the Matt Smith era is like the perfect length. Um, yeah, and it has the right amount of sort of. Uh, status quo changes yeah. over time and, and really well developed over time, despite, you know, series six is a little difficult, but it, there were some behind the scenes issues. Very much happen. so. Yeah. <laughs> very things much happen. So. It's television. Yeah. Stuff happens. It's very true. Um, but, uh, I, I, I agree. I think, I think the eighth doctor, uh, or the, or, I mean the, uh, the eighth series was very, very good. Um, very, very good. And, uh, I am I'm really excited for series 9. I think I am just there are times where you get episodes that kind of just feel like Stephen Moffat's greatest hits, which is how I described Last Christmas. Um see I liked Last Christmas. See I I I I didn't dislike Last Christmas. I was just a little bored by it because I was like, well, okay, well we've seen this thing before and we've seen this thing before and I don't but know. Like, what's a really great Christmas special? Christmas Carol. Okay, you f- you got me there. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Carol is a really great Christmas special. I hosted on my own petard. All right, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Damn it, that one really got me. I mean, that one's the perfect one. Like that's oh. the perfect one because it's that one's it's that a, one's it's a kind stellar of a special Doctor case too because there's no companion. And it's also a stellar Christmas episode. That's really true. Yeah. Um, that the, the not having a companion to really deal with on the day really helps it keep focus too. Yeah, I think I think Christmas Carol Man. was something that uh, Moffat thought of and then just sat on for three years until he got the show. That's uh, that's where he's strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's, I, he's really good when he has time to think it through. I mean, that's what the the big problem with series six is. He was rushed. Yes, having that extra bit of time for seven B. I really like a lot of what's going on in 7B. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also with 8, he just back halves of seasons are really stronger cuz he he experiments more, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, cuz I mean, it's crazy. Season 6 is crazy because you look at that those first two episodes, that that 
you know, Day, Day of the Moon and Impossible Astronaut, and you're just like, this is the greatest opening to any season of Doctor oh, Who yeah. ever. And oh boy, does that not pay off. Um, nope. And it's really unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it genuinely is. Yeah, because it, like, it, it staggers it, it, it the show. It makes me mad every time I watch those episodes because I'm like, oh, that's so good. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember what happened next. Can't you just be this all the time? Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't know. That's the tough part about the the modern series model. The The nice thing about serials is you can just watch them in any order you want at any time. Mm-hmm. But with with a season, the American season, British series model, you're sort of obligated to continue and with series six that can be an issue oh boy very much yeah <laughs> yeah there's some there's some really great ones but um the mm. really great ones have nothing to do with the ongoing story <laughs> yeah no <laughs> uh there's like i mean there's legitimately there's some of the best episodes in, in series six um i think you know you doctor's wife and girl who waited uh i love both of those so so much um oh, yeah but then and you have the wedding of River Song, um, which I still don't understand. Um, <laughs> I still, why did they get married? I don't know. Because um, they had to at some point, and it was the title. <laughs> That's what a great way to write a story. You know, <laughs> because they had yep. to at some point. We got to do it eventually. We're going to run out of time. Might Clock's as well do ticking. it now, I guess. We got Alex Kingston for another episode. We should probably get that marriage out of the way. Oh. <laughs> Is how that whole story feels to me. Oh boy! Who can we get back this week? Yikes! Yikes! Um. So, uh, all right. Um. So that's uh, that's it for this week. If uh, if you have thoughts you want to share, uh, find the post for this episode on the doctorscompanion.us and leave a comment, or you can send us an email, uh, tdcpodcast at gmail dot com. Actually, I think I have a new email address. Let me double check that because I just uh, got a new website and I think I, I think I got a new email address. Uh, maybe not. Okay, I haven't set it up yet. Um, <laughs> gonna do that. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So tdcpodcast at gmail dot com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at tdcpodcast. So you'll know the second a new episode hits, or you can follow our personal accounts. I am at Scott Corelli and Michael. You are at Michael Nixon. Oh, uh, you also got your name. I did. Yeah. I got it, and I got Michael A. Nixon. Oh, which nice. Is my middle initial. Yeah, mm. I was right. uh, maybe not an early adopter, but an on-time adopter. There you go. There you go. Uh, so, uh, so do that. Follow both of us, and if you like the show, do us a favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it really helps us out. Helps people find the show, and of course, most importantly, get out there. Tell people about the show, uh, even when there's not new episodes of Doctor Who. This show continues. We find things to talk about. So we still exist, uh, even if you care less about us. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Well, <laughs> look, I see the numbers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't feel bad about numbers. They're just digits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever a new series starts, it's like sweeps week for us. Like we're just. Oh, yeah. Our numbers, but why wouldn't like, it be? Yeah, our numbers like quadruple whenever the new series happens. Um, our off-season episodes are uh, respectable numbers, but not nearly what they are when a new series starts. So, but you get to talk about the deep, the deep cuts. Yeah, it's 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 Very a fully true. fleshed out Doctor Who show. It is the Doctor's Companion. It's true. Even. Yeah, I still can't believe I got that name. I'll be totally yeah, honest. It's well done, sir. Yeah, 
I still, very worth noting. I still cannot believe I got that name. I was like, I was like, oh, the Doctor's Companion would be a perfect podcast name. Ah, there's no way that exists. That doesn't exist. It does not exist. Uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, snag that. Uh, pretty good. Um, Everybody wanted something with TARDIS. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just about everybody has. Some people have like really weird Doctor Who, like really obscure stuff, and I'm like, how do you think people are going to find you? Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Tear of the Autons next week. Uh, <laughs> Tear of the Autons next week, followed by uh, the eighth, the Eighth Doctor Adventures with Lucy Miller series three. Oh, uh, the week after that, uh, and then Planet of Evil. So, uh, some good stuff, uh, coming forward. Definitely. Um, so we will talk to you then. Uh, anything that you want to plug before you go? Uh, be nice to each other and have a great day. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> be Fair good enough. people. Generically. Just be, be nice. Yeah. Be nice. All right. That's Do a, a good nice thing. thing. To plug. World peace. <laughs> I'm plugging world peace. I'm plugging world peace. <laughs> don't read the comments. That's what I'm plugging. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Uh, when I'm back with Cassandra for Chair of the Autons. Bye. Bye.